Welcome to Improbable Walks, the podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we step into history by strolling down a different block of the city, exploring buildings and people of the past and of the present. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your time and your ears. And if you're just discovering the podcast, please check out my website, lisapassold.com, for previous streets and more information. You can also support this Improbable Walks podcast by donating the price of a coffee to the series by visiting my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lisa Passold. Now let's step into history together. Today we're stepping into the year 1927 with a secret little dead-end street that's a real architectural marvel. May I present the Rue Mallet-Stevens, created by Robert Mallet-Stevens, a radical and joyous force in French design. Robert Mallet-Stevens was born in Paris in the 8th arrondissement in 1886. His family was in the art business, which stood him in good stead in his career. He collaborated brilliantly with artists and craftsmen of his era. RMS studied at the École Spéciale d'Architecture in Paris and graduated near the top of his class. He began his career in 1907, but this career in architecture was interrupted by World War I. He volunteered for the French Air Force. RMS was mobilized in 1914 and became an aerial photographer, which meant flying over enemy lines and photographing their maneuvers. He also went up in hot air balloons and photographed terrain. After the war, RMS resumed his career. With his fashionable upper-class connections, he successfully designed several magnificent private houses, but he also designed a fire station, several factories, and scored a huge coup when he designed several pavilions for the 1925 Exposition Internationale des Arts Décoratifs et Industriels Modernes. This was the Paris exhibition that launched Art Deco as an international style. Like many of the artists and musicians he knew and worked with, RMS loved the seventh art, cinema. He designed sets for over 20 films, and the photographer Man Ray made a surrealist film in a house that RMS built for the Comte de What's more, at least in my opinion, RMS was a prime dinner companion. He was guaranteed to show up looking every inch the aristocratic scion that he was, and he didn't have the exhausting ego of his contemporary, fellow brilliant modernist, Le Corbusier. RMS had a profile like a parrot, wore a Basque beret like nobody's business, designed modernist villas to die for, and believed his cinema sets were supposed to lay the scene for a character's emotional state. If you check out my website, I have a great photo there, taken by Man Ray, featuring RMS looking sharp in a beret. 
Whenever I walk down the Rue du Docteur Blanche, I feel as if I'm walking into a well-framed movie set. I take a left down the little dead end at Rue Mallet Stevens, and here are his buildings. From 1926 to 1927, RMS built houses for this street, including his own house, a groundskeeper house, and a house for two sculptors, friends of his, the brothers Jan and Joel Martel, who had worked on radical cubist installations at the 1925 Expo. The buildings here are really gorgeous and clearly show RMS at his best, manipulating metal framing and concrete into modernist sculptural forms. If you want to live in this little street, keep an eye on the real estate listings for the 16th arrondissement because every now and then a rather expensive but gorgeous apartment comes available. RMS married twice, and both times his wives were Jewish. This meant that during the occupation to protect his second wife, RMS went into hiding in the countryside. Tragically, Robert Mallet-Stevens suffered from a rare genetic disease, progressive ossifying fibrodysplasia, which ironically in French is called la maladie de la pierre, the illness of stone, because additional bone forms through the body. RMS joked about the irony that he was an architect being killed by the stone disease. Unfortunately, the disease killed him in early 1945, so he didn't live to see the liberation of Paris. What's even worse in my mind is that he isn't remembered as the important force that he was. Why not? Because Mallet Stevens left instructions that his archive be destroyed when he died, and his wishes were sadly carried out. As a result, he's been mostly forgotten compared to his contemporary Le Corbusier, Corbu has a dedicated foundation practically within a stone's throw of the Rue Mallet-Stevens. RMS knew Corbu, who is of course well-remembered justifiably for his incredible impact on modernism and architectural thought throughout the 20th century. Corbu might not have been as joyful as RMS, but he lived longer, wrote more, and thought more of himself. If we walk two and a half blocks further down the Rue du Docteur Blanche, we'll come to the Fondation Le Corbusier, which is formed by the Villa La Roche and the Maison Généré. These buildings are two classics of the Corbusier legacy, and you'll immediately see how this neighborhood, with its modernist villas by both Corbu and RMS, relate to today's contemporary architecture. The architect known as Corbu was originally born Charles-Édouard Généré Gris. He was born in 1887 in Switzerland. Then he came to Paris and he apprenticed with the wonderful early 20th century French architect Auguste Perret. Corbu worked in Perret's radically modern architectural firm from 1908 to 1909, and he stayed in touch with Auguste, discussing new ideas, radical thoughts, and technical details. There's a wonderful photograph of Corbu with Robert Mallet-Stevens and with Auguste Perret, all three of them, which I find amazing considering the egos involved. But these three incredibly creative architects played well together and even enjoyed each other's company. 
If you've listened to some of my other podcasts, you might remember architect Auguste Perret because he's the man who designed Gabriel Astruc's Théâtre des Champs-Élysées, where American performer and French resistance secret agent Josephine Baker first danced in Paris. Auguste Perret loved concrete. He believed it was the stone of the 20th century. He's been proved right, don't you think? Perret's father was a stone mason, and Auguste and his two brothers, Gustave and Claude, were all brought up to learn the trade. But Perret turned the family business into an architecture firm, even though he didn't have an architecture degree. And yet Auguste became one of the most important and creative builders in the city at the turn of the century. He believed building was like a human being, organic. A building needed a skeleton, and his visual mastery of such a skeleton shows in all his buildings. Le Corbusier described showing up for the first time at Perret's office in 1908. My portfolio was stuffed with drawings from Italy. I knocked on the door. As if they'd just stepped down from a painting, I found two characters from the impressionist Déjeuner sur l'herbe, Auguste and Gustave Perret. Check out my website for an early photo of the three Perret brothers clowning around, and you'll see exactly what Corbu meant when he compared them to Manet's famous Déjeuner sur l'herbe painting from 1862. Corbu was saying that the Perret brothers looked old-fashioned, but their ideas were very radical. Perret taught Corbu a lot, but they disagreed on a number of things, especially windows. Perret believed that the French vertical window matches perfectly with the vertical silhouette of man himself. But Corbu believed in horizontal windows, long bands of light, and he preferred windows that did not open so he could control the interior environment. Like many architects, Corbu did have a little bit of a god complex. But his writings are fascinating. Corbu spent World War I in Paris. During the war years, while his colleague, Robert Mallet-Stevens, was taking aerial photographs, Corbu spent time describing the German air raids on the city. Paris is unrecognizable, he wrote. Impenetrable darkness, no way of knowing where you are. I feel a complete indifference for so much fuss, given the facts. A bomb will have to come and find me. I'm calmly puffing on a dreadful cigarette butt. Corbu worked with his brother, Pierre Jeanneret, to build the Villa La Roche in 1923. The influence of Auguste Perret can be felt in the engineering. The strange but perfectly practical sloping ramp in the main room replaces a traditional staircase. Corbu preferred the horizontal window because of this light, not for ventilation, but actual illumination. And in this particular case, the high horizontal light and the ramp work perfectly because the owner's art collection included works by cubists like Picasso, Braque, and Gris. And these sort of windows allowed the owner to frame his paintings and show them off to visitors. Meanwhile, the second of the two buildings in the Fondation, here just off the Rue du Docteur Blanche, is the Maison Généreux, built for Albert, Corbu's older brother. It's a real family house, compact and practical, but it still shows off Corbu's five points of new architecture, an open facade, 
an open interior plan, long horizontal windows, a roof garden, and columns supporting the house. What's fascinating about this short walk to see the villas of Robert Mallet Stevens and Corbu is that nearly 100 years after they were designed, these buildings still feel contemporary, fresh, and incredibly fashionable. The artistic choices made in this early part of the century continue to impact us today. A full century ago, wealthy Parisians moved to this part of the city, wanting to be amazed and delighted by new types of living arrangements. And we still feel that delight, that freshness in the buildings, even just walking in front of them a century later. It's amazing to me that contemporary architecture and aesthetics are still being so influenced by these two architects. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to this podcast. For photos and details about today's walk, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. Thank you so much for listening and for stepping into history with me. Until the next time we go strolling into Paris together. Yes.